Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. So let's take our Bibles and go to Luke chapter number 17. Luke chapter number 17. And I think this is just a, a great challenge for us. Um, and I think a lot of times we want our faith supersized. How many when you go through McDonald's, you go through Burger King, you go through, you know, whatever it is, and you put your order in, and the thing they always ask you is, I guess, it, it, would it be at Wendy's? They want you to, uh, yeah, biggie, is it biggie size or just upsize? Is it biggie size? Yeah, so they want you to biggie size, and at McDonald's, of course, we all know what McDonald's is, they want you to what? They want you to supersize that, and the reason for that is you're paying more money, and really for them to make that amount more of food is not that much more for them, so they make more money when you do supersize it, but they obviously know Americans, and for Americans, our, our mindset a lot of times is the bigger the better, right? Um, the bigger the truck, the better. Amen, Right? Uh, you know, that's kind of our, our mindset on some of those things. And even as Americans, the bigger the house, the better. The restaurants, in my opinion, I judge restaurants, yes, on taste, but almost just as important as taste. How much food am I going to get, right? If I'm buying this thing, I want to get a good plate of food. So we would say even with restaurants, the bigger the better. Um, and the issue is, when it comes to the Word of God and when it comes to our spiritual lives, sometimes bigger isn't necessarily what we need. Um, and that's what we're finding in our story here. Jesus is giving some teaching to the disciples, and they're kind of like, whoa, <laughs> we need more of something. And we're gonna look at what they're talking about here, but a lot of times it's, it's, it's not that. So we should be in Luke chapter 17. Let's begin in verse number one, look at what our Savior says. Then, say, uh, then said he unto the disciples, it is impossible, but the defenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. How many have ever offended somebody? Anybody ever offended somebody? Okay, how many do it on a regular basis? I'll, I'll put both my hands up for that one. Not on purpose, I promise. But it just, it just happens. You don't mean to. Um, how many of your spouse has offended you this week? No, let's not ask that question. That's why you need to come to the couples conference, right? Woe unto him through whom offenses come. Verse two. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he was cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Um, the idea is we should be peaceable. As much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. The scripture tells us, right? Verse three, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother, now here's where it gets hard. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, correct him. And if he repent, what are we supposed to do, church? Forgive, Forgive him, great. And now verse four. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt what? Okay, now the first one's easier. Somebody comes and they offend you. They say, hey, I really am sorry for that. Will you forgive me? And you're like, oh yeah, no, no worries. But let's say seven times in a day they do the same exact thing, and those seven times they come and ask you for forgiveness. But about the seventh time you're kind of like, I guess so, because Jesus tells me I have to. But the idea, it's, it, it's harder when somebody's continually sinning against you. It is, it is difficult to continue to forgive them. It is. 
And notice the apostles' response when Jesus gives them this teaching in verse number five. And the apostles said unto the Lord, what did they say? Increase our faith. Okay, Lord, to forgive somebody that many times, we're struggling to do it once because forgiving is not an easy thing to do. But now you want us to do it seven times in a day, you want us to do that. They say, we need some biggie-sized faith. We need some supersized faith in order to make this happen. Notice Jesus' response to their asking for more faith. He says this in verse six. If ye had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he is come from the field, go and sit down to meat? And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. Or he goes, no, he's just simply doing what he's supposed to do. Verse 10. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things that are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our what? Duty, what? To do. It's interesting. You might say, wait, they're asking for more faith, and then he goes into this kind of story. How is this all going to fit together? Well, by the grace of God, we're going to piece all this together tonight. And on the backside of this, I hope you'll walk out of here with some truths you can live out and let your Thursday maybe touch your Friday, right? That's what we're looking to do. So let's just pray for a minute. Father, bless the reading of your word. As we study it tonight, I just challenge us and change us this evening in your name. Amen. Amen. So if you read the word of God with a sensitive heart, which I, ho I hope we all do in here, um, as I do that, I am regularly overwhelmed by the things that God asks for me to do. The things that Jesus in the New Testament asked for me to do, I'm overwhelmed by those. For example, um, let me, I'll just read you a few here. Luke 6, 27 says this, Jesus saying there, but I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies. <laughs> okay. Do good to them that hate you. So you're proactive in that. Bless them that curse you and pray for them that despitefully use you. Now that last prayer part, I might be able to pray some imprecatory prayers against those that uh, persecute me. Just kidding. Um, but the idea is, those are difficult things. When an enemy comes against you, and people are being mean to you, they're putting you down, they're backbiting you, they're talking bad about your family, all of a sudden, you're supposed to say, bless you. Let me do something good for you. In, in fact, let me just put you on my prayer list and really pour out my heart before the Lord on your behalf. I don't know about you, but that's difficult. Another one is Luke 6.30. Jesus says, give to every man that asketh of thee. And of him that taketh away thy goods, here you go, ask them not again. Wait, 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 what did what, you say, Jesus? Oh yeah, he, whoever takes your goods, don't ask for them again. Lord, increase my faith. <laughs> How about Luke 14.33? So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsake not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. That's a tough saying. Another one is 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, we probably know this one, in everything what? Give thanks. How many find that difficult? You're touched by 
sickness or hurt or financial struggles. Wait, wait, Lord, in everything give thanks? That's a hard say. Another one would be um, Romans 13.1, depending on who is in office. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And at times in our country, those are hard sayings, right? Um, and we're like, Lord, increase my faith. Like the disciples, we would be on board with them. Uh, maybe it's a wife where they read the scriptures and it says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord in Colossians 3.18. And you're like, that is a difficult saying. <laughs> or it could be Ephesians 5.25, man, where it says, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And you're like, those are some hard sayings. And in those moments, we might be like the disciples and say, you know what, we, we need our faith to increase. This is what they said. I think that's what we say a lot of times, Lord, I, 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 think I, just, I think I just need more faith. Have you ever been in those situations where you have felt overwhelmed, where you have felt kind of shaken and even pressed down? You're like, Lord, I just, I just need some more faith, I think. I think we use this phrase and we finish it in a lot of different ways. And here's the phrase. If I just had more faith, fill in the blank. If I just had more faith, then I'll put some I wrote down here. If I just had more faith, I wouldn't struggle as much as I do in some points of my life. If I just had more faith, I wouldn't have as many questions or doubts. If I just had more faith, maybe God would actually answer my prayers. If, if I had more faith, maybe that loved one wouldn't have died or, or maybe they would have recovered. If I would have had more faith, I'd be more involved in church. If I just had more faith, I'd, I'd be a better person. If I just had more faith, I'd be a better parent. If, if I just had more faith, maybe, maybe I'd be a better spouse. If I just had more faith, I wouldn't do this thing. If I had more faith, I could maybe handle the tough times a little bit better. If, if, if I just had more faith, life would be different. And that's kind of where we land. And that's kind of where the disciples are. If, if we just had more faith, this whole teaching about forgiving people, you'd, you'd be able to help us with that. Now, as we come into the message tonight, I wanna lay this groundwork before I get to my main point. And it's this, number one, how many believe faith is important tonight? Okay, good. Because I wanna really lay that groundwork that faith is important. Um, how many believe tonight that we are to live by faith? Amen, Romans, Romans 1.17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by what, church? By faith, yeah. Uh, Galatians 3.11 says the same thing. The just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10.38, same thing there. Um, the just shall live by faith. So um, faith is important. We are to live by faith. Um, I guess it's kind of a given tonight, but we are also saved by faith, right? By grace, through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. So faith's important. And the Bible also tells us, here how, here's how important faith is, that without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Uh, we read that in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse number six. But without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So uh, I think we'd all agree that faith is needed and I would also agree, I hope you'd agree with me on this, that faith is a very powerful thing. Here's what I'd submit. 
it's so powerful, you don't need any more. Well, <laughs> what are you saying? Well, let's look at what Jesus is teaching here. We come back to chapter 17 of Luke. They say in verse number five, what did they ask? They said, increase our what? Give us more. But then notice Jesus' response. And this is the answer he gives them here in verse number five. He says this, well, no, that's not what you need because if ye had the faith as a grain of what? Okay, now we know about a mustard seed, I hope. Maybe even more in Moses Lake than we would in Everett, Washington. Um, but a mustard seed is itty-bitty. That's a theological term for tiny, itty-bitty is. Um, you know, they're, they're super small, and, and Jesus loves to use the illustration of, of mustard seeds, and, and he says, no, no, if you simply just had the size of faith as a mustard seed, it's not about more faith, because if you had that much, you would say to the sycamine tree, uh, be rooted up, it would be rooted up, and it would be carried over, and it would be planted into the ocean. He says, if you have the minutest amount of faith, you would do absolutely miraculous things. So this is Jesus' point in our text here. He says we don't necessarily need to need more faith. It's not that we, we need a larger faith, but here's what Jesus is going to tell them. We must have a living faith. A lot of times we want this, we want the spiritual experience. We want maybe a, a larger faith and to be, to be more spiritual. But Jesus says, no, 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 you, you don't need more faith. In fact, the faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed can do some pretty supernatural things. We don't need larger faith, but we need living faith. Here, these disciples, they asked for that more faith, that they might have more faith. But bigger is not always better. Jesus is very clear. That faith is not necessarily about size. It's not about the quantity of faith you have. Um, he says, if you got this faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move. We know other passages, he says, you can move what? Mountains. Mountains. But in this text here, he's telling us that you can move this, this mulberry tree. That's what a sycamine tree is. It's a mulberry tree. You can move this mulberry tree, it can be uprooted, it can be moved over here. Supernatural things take place. So the matter is not so much great faith in God, but rather the issue is that we have faith in a great God. It's not about great faith in God. It's that we have faith in a great God. Amen? Because it's not us and about us manufacturing this more faith, but rather it's you and I just putting that childlike faith in the one true God. And as he uh, comes along beside of us, he is the one that, I'm going to use this term, he, he does all the heavy lifting because he is a great God. Now, some that know the word of God, you might be like, well, wait a minute. What about, that? what about that centurion in which Jesus said about the healing of his child that there was... It wasn't a great faith in all of Jerusalem. And what about the Syrophoenician woman and, and how she was one that was called with, with great faith? Well, you, you'll notice in Jesus' ministry, he, just only those two people, he said they had great faith. And then he said to the disciples on a regular basis that they had what kind of faith? Anybody know? They had little faith. Regularly, um, when he talked to Peter on the water, O ye of little faith. And it's not that they had this super enormous faith and the disciples had this itty bitty faith. The idea was what you need to have is just simple faith in God. It's not that you have to have this big um, charismatic almost experience. Uh, for example, let me, let me give you an example. 
Um, let's say I got in my car and I'm like, road trip, we're going to Cali. And how many have ever been to California? It's a good place to be from, right? Yep. And uh, anyways, California, how many have ever been across the Golden Gate Bridge? Okay, so several of you. Well, here's my road trip, and here's my great faith. We're driving down the 101, and we're coming up on the Golden Gate Bridge. And I look at my wife, Rebecca, I said, Rebecca, watch this. I'm going to exercise great faith. We're going to drive across the Golden Gate Bridge. Watch. And hopefully she'd look at me like, what are you talking about? What is this great faith that you're talking about? No, no, I'm, I'm putting faith in the Golden Gate Bridge to hold us while we are going across the Golden Gate Bridge. That is great faith, isn't it, honey? And she'd be like, you're weird. <laughs> and she'd be like, what are you talking about? Because every single day, tens of thousands of people cross this bridge on a regular basis, and it's proven if you put your faith in going across this bridge, you are going to make it across this bridge. It doesn't take great faith to trust that. It does not take great faith to trust our God. I would say this, our God is far more reliable than the Golden Gate Bridge, amen? And as we rest in him, and as we trust in him, it's not that we're exercising this great faith, no, it's because we serve a great God and that our God can be trusted. So we don't need to enlarge our faith. We need a living faith. Secondly, underneath this point, we don't necessarily need an increase of faith, but we need some exercise. We need to exercise our faith. We don't need to increase our faith. We need to exercise our faith. You see, the problem isn't that God's people don't have faith. The problem is that God's people are not using the faith that they already have. It's not that we don't have faith, it's that we truly are just not exercising the faith that God has, has already been, been giving, given to us. Because that faith does absolutely amazing things. How much faith does it take? How much faith does it take? Well, Jesus says that we are to come to him in what type of faith? As a little what? It's childlike faith, just a simple belief, a simple trust. And, and to me, those, that's, the, that's the seeds of faith. And if we simply just come in that simple trusting him, God does amazing things. So it's not about your faith. Here's the other shoe. It's about ready to drop. You ready for it? So we don't need more faith. We just need simple obedience. We don't need supersized faith. We need simple obedience. And that's where the rest of the text now comes in as we, as we come to verse number six down through, down through verse number 10. And we see, you know, God, Jesus gives the illustration here talking about the mustard seed faith. And then he gives the illustration of it, a parable in verse seven, eight, nine, and 10. And he says, but which of you in verse seven, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto, unto him, unto the servant by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet. So the idea is, of course, we know they had slaves at this time and servants. And, and Jesus says, it's like you saying to the servant that was out working all day coming in, you know, boy, you've just worked really hard. Why don't you sit down and I'm going to go ahead and make dinner for you. And of course, in the cultural ideologies of that day, that's, that's not what took place. In Jesus' day, if a servant worked out in the field, they came in at night, the first thing they did is cook meal for the master. And 
while the master was sitting down, taking it easy, there is the servant doing the work and putting the food together, serving the master. Once the master was eating, the family was eating, then that servant could relax and finally eat. It wasn't that the servant was doing the master a favor by preparing the meal after he got done working in the field. He was doing his J-O-B. He was doing his job. That's what the servant was hired for. That's what he was getting paid for. And he was simply doing his job. And the illustration, as we kind of walk through it in, in verse number seven, you'll, you'll see that toil and labor about plowing, about feeding the cattle. Um, and you'll notice in verse number eight about making dinner and putting all of that together. And here's what Jesus says when the servant simply just does what he's supposed to do what does he call him at the end, in the middle of verse number 10? He says, we are what type of servants? What's he say there? Unprofitable. You might say, well, what does that mean? Is that a self-loathing statement or what is that all about? Well, the idea of being unprofitable there is the servant was just doing their job. It's, it's not like they were going above and beyond the call of duty. No, they're, they're simply just doing what they were supposed to do. Now, the comparison is this. If we compare our servanthood to Jesus' servanthood, can we say we're unprofitable servants? Yeah, I think so. I think his, the way he served us in dying and going to the cross, frankly, just pales in comparison to any way that we serve him, right? I know I'm talking to the Thursday night crowd, and I know you're the core, um, but I think it's a good reminder for us where we are not God's gift to a church. I think a lot of times we get this mindset of like, I'm gonna grace Moses Lake Baptist Church with my presence today and I'm gonna serve in the nursery and I'm gonna greet at the door and I'm gonna, whatever, I don't know, you know, whatever you do. No. Church is a privilege. Serving the Lord is a privilege. And we really gotta check ourselves if we kind of get this attitude that, oh yeah, I'm, uh, I, Pastor Fountain, if I wasn't here, I don't know if this church is going to make it. And if that's your attitude, I think we need to look at the words of Jesus and be reminded we are unprofitable servants at best. We're simply doing what he has called us to do. So you might say, well, how is this all kind of, kind of fitting together? What is, what is this all about? I think a lot of Christians, what they want is this faith experience. You know, kind of like, I just, I just need more faith. No, you just need to be a faithful servant. You just need to roll up your sleeves and get in. And so I wrote in my notes, I don't know if this is, I think I can say it to you guys because I feel like I know you a little more. Here's what I wrote. Too many Christians are looking for a pat on the back when what they really need is a kick in the pants. I think that's what it is a lot of times, where they think that, uh, oh, somebody needs to recognize what I'm doing, where, no, no, it's not what we need. We need to just continue to do the work that God has called us to do. And, and in our lives, I think that's very important for us that we recognize it's not this increase of faith, but it is about simply just being faithful. I believe not too many Christians have this attitude today of just simply serving. Instead, many today, they often want to project kind of this super Christian image that makes them seem to be um, 
anything but an unprofitable servant. And, and, and I think it's good for us to embrace that idea of being an un, unprofitable servant. Um, it should astound us regularly that God would use anyone, that God would use any of us, that God would use me, that God would use you. We should stand back and say, why in the world would he do that? But if our mindset is, well, I, I know why God's using me, you gotta be very careful. Because I believe in that moment you're being puffed up with pride. Because we are not deserving of the, of, of the salvation that God has freely offered to us. It is solely of grace and we are saved by that grace. There's nothing that we have done to earn this salvation. We would totally agree with that. I like what Charles Spurgeon said about this text. He said this. He said, <laughs> this is great. Growing Christians, growing Christians, think themselves nothing. It's good. And then he says this. Full-grown Christians think themselves less than nothing. Let me say that again. Growing saints think themselves nothing. Full-grown saints think themselves less than nothing. So tonight, I just want to encourage you. Maybe, maybe you are going through some struggles, and, and they're real. I, you know, it happens. Life is difficult. Life is hard. I don't know where life finds you tonight. Um, you might be in the middle of it, coming out of it, or going into it. I don't know. One of those three usually take place. I just want to encourage you. In those moments, you don't need more faith. You need to use the faith you already have, the mustard seed faith. You need to rest in God. You need to trust him and just continue to be faithful to him. And in that, God will bring you through God will strengthen you, he will establish you, he will settle you. And that was a help to me as I was studying this text. Um, and it really goes in line with what Paul said in Romans 12:1. Many of us know that here on a Thursday night crowd. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what time of sacrifice? Living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. We're simply doing what God has called us to do. So I just want to encourage you, Moses Lake Baptist Church, Thursday night crowd. Some of you, you've had a long week. But I just want to encourage you, rest in the Lord, exercise that faith, live by that faith, and just keep following Jesus. And he's going to see you through. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.